0: Hello, welcome back to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Rob Mendyka, and I am riding solo today. Mike is out of town due to the Memorial Day weekend uh, because he's a lot cooler than I am. So today, you guys just get me, but that doesn't mean the show is going to be any less action-packed. we got a ton of stuff to go over. Uh, we're not going to be talking NBA playoffs this week just because we're kind of in the middle of some series um, and Mike is itching to talk about how the Clippers are more than likely going to eventually either Uh, blow their first-round series against the Mavs or barely squeak by. Either way, he's excited to tear them down, so excited for that. Um, so we'll be talking NBA playoffs next week for sure. But this week, guys, we've got a lot stuff to go over. First, we're going to be checking in on your Detroit Tigers. Uh, big series against the Yankees this weekend. Um, you know, you know the results of that and all that good stuff, as well as where the team is standing after we revisited them a few weeks ago where it seemed like all was lost. We're obviously going to be talking about um, some NFL news as well. Todd Gurley visiting the Lions. What does that mean? What would it look like? Do we want him? Do we not want him? Um, we're also going to be talking about the Julio Jones potential trading spots. Um, you know what the what the Falcons are looking for, where he's going to wind up eventually going. Uh, we may check in on the Aaron Rodgers stuff a little bit as well, and we're obviously going to be talking um, about this new news coming out of uh, the WWE world with their talks with New Japan Pro Wrestling, its effect on AEW, all that good stuff. So. A uh, really big action-packed episode for you guys this week. Happy Memorial Day to each and every one of you out there. Uh, remember what this weekend is for, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you know, just take a moment, especially on that mo- on this beautiful Monday morning here, to to remember why we get this day off. So, but let's just jump right in here, though. Tiger talk. Uh, we don't do a ton of tiger talk on this show because, quite frankly, there hasn't been enough reason to do it. Right. First off, it's baseball. I would say it's probably the third most popular sport uh in the united states hockey is probably close it's probably close fourth but um you know we're in the middle of a rebuild and me and mike talked a, a few weeks ago about um you know where this tiger team was and, and and they looked terrible right and and they looked like they were completely out of sorts they looked like they they didn't really know what was going on you know aj hanch was come was brought in Um, and I don't even think Hinch has really been the problem. Um, you know, I think he was brought in to kind of take the team to the next level. However, um, the, the big issue I think with this Tiger team still is the lack of actual talent on this team. I mean, um you know they're 21 and 31 now which is a lot better than i would say a couple weeks ago when they were when they were i mean almost 15 18 games under 500 so clearly they've made some sort of improvement and maybe this is the beginning of a bit of an upswing here they've won the first two games before uh, you know i obviously know the results on sunday or monday against the yankees walk off fashion on friday night i was there for that that was cool um but overall, right, this team, you know, going through the rankings here just a little bit of what this team looks like um, as compared to the rest of the league, right? 27th in batting average, 27th in runs in runs scores, 26th in hits, 26th in home runs, 28th in OBP, 27th in slugging percentage, 21st in ERA, 22nd in whip, 23rd in walks, uh, 27th in strikeouts um and 21st and runs again so like there's just so many things wrong with what this team is doing right i mean it, it, you just look at it i mean the overall cumulative era for this pitching staff is four four one. that's not good ladies and gentlemen and there's no way you can spin that where it does sound good um like i said that they've been on a bit of a they've been a lot more consistent i'll say that right i mean when you look at this team and you look at what they were doing right they came off um you know, they had a good, you know, after we kind of talked about them in early May here, um, you know, where they they looked abysmal against the Yankees and the Red Sox for the most part. They come out, um, you know, split, split a couple games with the Twins. They sweep the Royals, um, you know, look okay against the Cubs, sweep the Mariners, you know, and then they kind of go back to their ways, like a little bit with Kansas City and Cleveland, and now they're right back playing the Yankees, and they're playing them tough, you um, but overall, right, like this team, right, you're 21 and 31 going into, you know, the second part of the season. You know, we're 50 games in, and you still don't really know what this team is. I I do know one thing though, and that this team is once again lack of is, is devoid of talent at the end of the day, right? When I'm looking at this oh, this roster here, um, for today's game against the Yankees, right? I'm just gonna read out some names for you, and some batting average. The lack of offense should be appalling at this point. I mean, Nico Goodrum hitting 224. Jamer Candelara hitting 286. He is the highlight of this lineup, by the way, folks. At 286, that's where this this where this team is at. Miguel Cabrera hitting a measly 195. Uh, Shoop 224. Uh, Mazzara 191. Eric Haas 229. Victor Reyes is 155. Uh, Short 200. And Willie Castro at 203. So like, we don't even have anybody really sniffing 300 here right now. So it's it's clear. Um, you know some of these guys are it's just they're just not getting it done. This roster is not good enough. Um, there's no talent, especially on the offensive side. Um, I think the pitching has been better overall, right? We saw the the screw the, Scoo, the Scooble, Um, you know, he pitched well a couple days ago. Casey Mize pitched well. Uh, we had the no-hitter, obviously, and that was and that was huge, but um, so maybe there's some hope there, and that was kind of the strength of this rebuild, uh, according to Alvila, is that you know you had some top-quality arms at the very top of the, um, um, either in the minors or ready to break through to that major league level. And we're starting to see a little bit of that for sure, but the offensive side of it is just brutal to watch, right? We're waiting for Riley Green. We're waiting for Spencer Torkelson. We're waiting for some of these guys, but even if these guys were playing right now, I don't necessarily know if that would make any sort of difference. This team is devoid of talent, and I think it's time um, for Al either. I mean, depending on the rest of this season go, because he's not going to get fired season unless they completely top out and they lose 30 games in a row. But I think it's time where you're going to need to start seeing the Tigers open up the pocketbook a little bit. And I know that's not maybe the most popular thing to do because you don't know where this rebuild is going, but... Um, right now, you're so devoid of talent on the offensive side. You have no power. You have nobody hitting for average. You're not you're not scoring enough right now. So no matter what your pitching looks like, and you do have some solid arms ready to go, right? You're you're still waiting for a couple of these guys to to really come through and and, and make an impact. But man, oh man, do you make it a lot harder on yourself when you're only averaging three runs a game? You know what I mean? And so that's and that's really the the crux of it, right? So I, I'm encouraged by what their play recently. Um, but as I mentioned before, right, to, to be overly ecstatic about where this team is at is, is not great. It it really is not, you know what I mean? So it's not, it's not anything where I'm, you know, jumping for joy about anything. Like I said, right. I mean, when you're, when your average for, for the team is 224, that, that is a rough, rough go. Right. And when you're, you're in the back half in the lower part of the league in every which way, um. You know, it's not great when your leadoff man, Robbie Grossman, has the most home runs on your team, right, with six. Uh, By comparison, the Yankees, you know, Aaron Judge has 13. So, I mean... These are the kind of things where you're just like, man, oh, man, oh, man, we're just waiting for somebody to break out. And right now, we don't have it. So, um, it's a bit interesting for sure. We're going to keep you updated, obviously, on the Tiger situation as we go through. But something to think about, right, is that what is the next step to the Tigers? You know, do you want them to see them open up the pocketbook? I'm not saying spend hundreds of millions of dollars on some high priced free agents as a quick fix, but, you know, we have seen now where you're not developing, um, offensive weapons fast enough or um efficiently or just straight up good enough to to make it to the major league so you're getting to a point now where you know those high picks are great but we continuously are just waiting for some of these guys to show up and 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 they're not panning out so at some point it's got to come down to player development it's got to come down to scouting and one of these guys going to be able to play for the big club and right now we're just not seeing it so that's my biggest frustration for the team um These stop get players, these one to two year deal type things that works great in the beginning of a rebuild, but now you're in year five of a rebuild. So it doesn't work out the same. And I think a lot of people's patients are a lot less, um, they're a lot less forgiving, um, half a decade into a rebuild that started out with some promise um, and you miss on all those trades. So it's, it's rough, Um, but let's shift focus now a little bit here. Let's talk. uh, Let's talk some NFL news here. We got three major stars and I say major stars because when you hear the names, right, people get excited. Um, The first one, let's talk about, let's talk about Julio Jones first. I'll I'll get to the lions and Todd Gurley here in a minute, but I think that the Julio Jones trade is something that is clearly on the precipice, right? It, It is, it is right around the corner. Um, you know when you when you think about what Julio Jones is and what he was, right? They're they're two different players at this point. You know, can he still be explosive? Yes. Um, can he still be a, a at times a top five wide receiver? Yes, he can absolutely. Is he a top five wide receiver now? No, he's not. Um, he's been injury prone. Um, he's up there in age a little bit, and he's in his early thirties. You know, he's got a massive massive cap hit right now. Um, as well so the Falcons are looking to try to recoup any costs there um, but I do think going to a, to a, to a right team I think would really put them over the edge like um, you know, Baltimore is a place that I could see him going to where immediately, okay, he is a true number one wide receiver. You've got Rashad Bateman now. You've got Hollywood Jones. That all of a sudden becomes a wide receiving core that is extremely excited about, and I think that's the thing that Baltimore's been missing to help with the development of Lamar Jackson as a passer. Um, You've got the run game there. You've got Dobbins. Um, You've got Gus Edwards. You've got pieces there in the run game, but from a passing perspective, Baltimore is still a little bit one-dimensional. I think the Tennessee Titans... Would benefit greatly, and and that is kind of the rumor of the day. Is uh, you know a lot of people are you know posturing that at the end of all of this talk about all these teams, whether it's the Packers, whether it's Pittsburgh, whether it's Dallas, whether it's this team or that team, at the end of the day, everybody kind of thinks that Tennessee is going to wind up landing Julio Jones for a second round pick. Um, you know, it, we've heard rumors that um, that the Falcons won a number one. It's not going to happen um there was a rumor out there that they had a number one pick trade offer and if that was the case they would have taken it so i believe that's posturing by the falcons organization which you know do what you got to do to to try to get the most out of it um but the reality is is that you know a team like tennessee they would benefit greatly aj brown julio jones together that's a pretty nice little combination along with derrick henry giving Ryan tannehill play action pass with deep threats down the middle of the field that that's you know, that, that is a an intriguing um, an intriguing offense for sure for Tennessee that really kind of puts them, you know, in that playoff hunt. The defense is still atrocious, and the defense is still going to be bad because they didn't do anything to really improve it. But um, with that being said, I, I do think that that would be a, a fun matchup as well. I think another team that really needs to take um, a hard look at it, are teams like, you know, I, the Rams or the 49ers. Now, I know the Rams have Cooper Cup. They've got um, – you know, they've got Tyler Higby and they've got Robert Woods, but Julio Jones adds just another dimension. I don't know if they do, because I think they want to see what they have in Van Jefferson. Stafford being there, obviously, my boy. Um, I'm sure they'd be all in. And the Rams are the kind of team that would be willing to make a move like this. They've they've shown a propensity to move, to go get people that they think can help win they can help win now, right? They did it with Jalen Ramsey. He's there long-term. They did it with Stafford, right? They got rid of Goff. They give Lions two first-round picks. Stafford's there. Your window is now, and, and it's all putting your eggs in the Matthew Stafford basket and and believing that Sean McVay was right. Um, So I would not be stunned. I don't know the cap situation. That would be have to be involved there uh, for him to go to the Rams. I think the Niners are another one. You know, Debo Samuel and... um. You know Brandon Ayuk looked pretty darn good, no doubt about it. But at the same time, to add another weapon like Julio, a veteran, I think would give you even more than what Emmanuel Sanders was able to give them two years ago in their Super Bowl run and really add... Um, you know that downfield big vertical presence threat. You know the the consistent. All right, third down, who you go into? You going to Julio, um, kind of option. And whether that's for Garoppolo or Trey Lance, quite frankly, I I think that's that would be a swing and a home run for them um, in a very very crowded division that the NFC West is in. Um, let me know who you guys think is going to wind up. You know where Julio is going to wind up going. Um, I don't think the Falcons get a first round pick. I think it's impossible. In this day and age, it, at at the age that Julio is at, the injuries that he's had to deal with, it is almost it is impossible to get a first round pick for for Julio at this point. And if they do, more power to him, and I'll I'll come on the show and say I was wrong. But, um, you know, a second round pick is probably the highest I'm going, and even that may be a little bit steep for some people because of the contract numbers, you know, um. It always amazes me to hear to see the Lions feeds of people like, oh man, the Lions should try and go get Julio Jones. And if you're and if you're saying that, you're really not understanding where this team is at from a rebuild perspective. You know, they try to spin it and however they, it's a retooling, it's a blah blah blah. Um, but the reality is, is that this team is not built to win right now, and they're going to compete for sure. And that's what you want out of a fan, out of your fan base, is that you want to see um this team compete and be competitive and be in these and be in some of these games right win a couple of them for sure but you know and and be there right um so julio just doesn't make any sense from a cap situation from a from a logistics situation i understand that people are having this gross over exaggeration on this wide receiving court which we're going to hit on in a second um but it's just not it's just not really gonna happen. And I don't think Brad Holmes is the kind of person to mortgage the future of the franchise, even though you got some wiggle room here with two first rounders, um, to be trading away a potentially high second round pick for a guy who's gonna be here for a year or two. Not not really a recipe for success by any measure. Um Speaking of that, though, let's talk a little bit of Aaron Rodgers news. I know that me and Mike have kind of been following this. There hasn't been anything concrete, but I do think it's interesting and worth noting um, that he didn't go to OTAs. Um, I know it's voluntary. I know we've had some Lions players. Jamie Collins isn't there, for instance, uh, for the Lions, but um, this is the first time in rogers career that he didn't go to otas and that he's not there right and we're now seeing some reports out there that jordan love looks great in otas which i think is once again the green bay packers doing what they can to uh you know to spin it in a way that makes people you know take the panic button off but you know the reality is this is that the green bay packers um are really in a bind here so it's going to come down to at this point the green bay packers are either going to Make an offer to Aaron Rodgers um, that is so amazing and do things that are just like, they're almost going to have to make him the de facto GM, I feel like, in order for him to come back. The the amount of bad blood and resentment that have been building up over the last few years. And it's all self-induced by the Green Bay Packers, by the way. They have completely done this to themselves um to treat a star player like that and I don't I don't care what old school mentality some of you have out there where a player's played you let the team do the thing but at the end of the day there are certain players that earn the right to have some sort of say to have an input to have you know the you know to have the decency to call your star player and say hey listen we're taking a play your position I don't think it's too much to ask especially at the quarterback spot Peyton Manning had that that's why Brady left right um certain people are just too good and are too important to what you are doing and too important to your success um, to to ignore, right? It it just is what it is. And Aaron Rodgers is up there with that. So the fact that the Packers are trying to keep this old school mentality is is clue to their detriment. I mean, we're talking about the same franchise that has wasted. Um, They've had 40 plus years of top five quarterback play and outside of two seasons they have won no Super Bowls right that is crazy to me you know what I mean hell even even the Broncos managed to go to from, jo- from John Elway to Peyton and Peyton even you know they even got to four so that is that's the crazy part to me and, that, and there's 20 years in between that right so the Green Bay Packers are clearly still kind of stuck a little bit I think in the past of building through just strictly the draft and not spending the money where they need to and and you know overpaying for running backs and that kind of thing. It just doesn't make a lot of sense but I you know there is a growing sentiment you know around the league and I think around a lot of fan bases where it, you, I think we're all kind of coming to the realization that maybe Aaron Rodgers is no longer a Green Bay Packer and as a Lions fan I could not be more excited. I mean how could you not be? I mean To see a franchise that has basically survived off of one player's arm for the last 10 years, right? And you consistently hear how good these defenses and how all good these other players are. In reality, it's one guy making the world go round. Um, It is a very, very, very tantalizing thought to think um, that Aaron Rodgers is not wearing, you know, those stupid green jerseys anymore so it's going to be interesting for sure i still think denver is the most logical place for him to go there's a lot of weapons there a lot of young talent there for sure i think the defense is good not great and i think um in the afc right i think he can make some noise for sure obviously going against you know kansas city and stuff like that that's not the greatest pull in the world but wouldn't shock me i know he likes the raiders as well as another team in, you know on the west coast so wouldn't shock me I still think Denver's probably a better spot for him to go just based off of where the offense is um, from a weapon standpoint um, but let's talk about the big news here regarding your Detroit Lions and there's a couple things I want to hit on here with your Detroit Lions this week first thing obviously is the Todd Gurley thing now I think let's just get this out of the way now Todd Gurley is not Todd Gurley and, and, and I think people and, and I get it. He's 27. And, and we have seen this now in back to back to back to back to back to back off seasons all the time. Right. You can go back to it, whether it's Stephen Ridley, Ryan Grant, TJ Duckett, Tatum Bell. Um, Le- LeGarrette Blunt, Adrian Peterson, we have seen the Detroit Lions, no matter what the regime is, bring in, quote-unquote, their guy that they're comfortable with to kind of be that backup veterans guy, right? And Brad Holmes, being the director of scouting for the Rams, he drafted, you know, he helped draft Todd Gurley, right? And Todd Gurley was one of the most productive and most dominant offensive players for about two and a half seasons. I mean, he was phenomenal for the Rams. He was the reason why they got to the Super Bowl, Um. But in that same note, you go, now he was in Atlanta last year, and he was okay, right? 650, 700 yards, right? His yards per carry was like three something. Wasn't great, right? His worst numbers by far. He still scored a lot of touchdowns because he was a bigger back, so that makes some sense, but not nearly the player he is. So I think some Lions fans need to move off of that a little bit, first off, that you're not, if Todd Gurley is still available at this point, it's two things. It's number one, he's clearly not the player he used to be. And I do think, and I think this is important to note as well, if you're a Lions fan that is like, oh my gosh, we just did this you know, with Adrian Peterson and everything else. And I, and I was one of them a little bit. Um, the one thing that brings me a little bit of solace in this whole thing is that he didn't sign yet. And as of this recording, he still hasn't signed. Um, reading some reports after the fact, it was he came in, uh, he met with you know team management and all that good stuff. Um, obviously, the familiarity with Brad Holmes, with Jared Goff, obviously. Um, but he didn't sign. And we're seeing some reports now that the Lions are going back and looking at last year's tape. That is so important, I think, because as fans we get wrapped up, oh my gosh, Todd Gurley could be a lion, right? And on paper, that's super cool, right? I, I was so much, you know, when Adrian Peterson sign, signed here, I was like, that's that's pretty neat to say that you know Adrian Peterson played with the Lions. Was he good? No. Was he okay in Spurts? Yes. Um, you got the ball too much, clearly. Um, but the fact that this that this team management, this brass, this this vision, right, that this organization is going back down and saying, okay, we met with him, right? There's clearly some interest on his end. There's some interest on our end. We need to go back now and really evaluate the tape and really evaluate what we're getting out of Todd Gurley because right now he would be at best – and this is at best the third option, right? You signed Jamal Williams to a two-year deal, the only multi-year free agent that you signed, right? Not talking about Ragnow or anybody you, you 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 kept here, but I'm talking about new players that are on this team this season. He is the only one here that you brought in at, without the Jared Goff trade um, that is going to be here for multiple years. Um. So you know, and obviously you have DeAndre Swift, right? Um, and DeAndre Swift's going to be your starter. Jamal Williams is going to be heavy rotation as well. That's your two headed monster this season, right? And you need to give Swift and with the investment in Pinay Sewell. And I'm going to talk about the offense as a whole here in a minute because there was a report that came out that kind of irked me a little bit. Um, but back to the girly thing. You know, he's going to be your third option. So with him being the third option, you have to really put in perspective what that means. But even so, even if he does sign, he's not a guarantee to make camp, right? You still got Jamar Jefferson as well, your seventh round pick. Uh, Rakeem Boyd, the undrafted free agent, they liked a lot, um, so th- there, there's there's definitely competition there, you know, so it, it kind of boils down to if there's an injury or two, right, it's, it's just having some comfort in knowing who you're handing the ball off to in Gurley, right, which I understand, but... Let, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. Would it be kind of cool and interesting, like I said, to be like, oh, yeah, Todd Gurley plays for Lions? Yes, it would be. It would be cool. Would he be a great mentor for the room? Absolutely, no doubt about it. But do they need Todd Gurley? The answer is no, they don't. This is not them bringing in... um you know, into a position of quote-unquote need, right? I think it's smart to kick the tires on this stuff. It's the same reason my Baltimore signed Des Bryant last year, right? It was a position of need for them, but also it's just like, okay, what has he got left? What juice does he have, you know? Um, so like I said, I, I won't be shocked if he does sign, but I think if he does sign, I think that the Lions coaching staff would have a better idea and know, okay, listen, this is what he is now not what he, we're not signing him based off what he could be what he was we're signing off what he is now and milking whatever last bit of juice he's got left in those legs we're going to take it and we're going to try to run with it and try to build something out of it but um if he doesn't sign i'm not going to be heartbroken about it i still think there's a couple more moves that are probably going to be made after the first round of cuts um, especially at the safety position for them i think that's the thinnest spot um but you know, stay tuned for that. But I wanna I wanna shift a little bit here to a report that came out. Um, some rankings happened uh, you know, from an offensive perspective for the NFL. And and basically, long story short, the Lions were ranked dead last. Um now as much as I have said over the past few weeks, and Mike has said it as well, this team is not going to be a very good football team this year, right? You're you're fully bracing for impact on that. I think six wins is probably their max. Mm-hmm. Um, if they fell into somehow they're close to 500, I think that's an overreach of where the talent is on this team. But um, the... the the logic though that the Lions that this Lions offense is the worst in the league, I kind of balk at. And I'm gonna balk at it for a couple reasons. I think number one, it's a it's a gross over exaggeration of the fact that you look at the wide receiving core and you're not wowed by it. Um, and I think we tend to kind of get into that, right? Like, you know, if, if Julio Jones gets traded to Tennessee, does Julio Jones make Tennessee's offense number four in the league? No, it doesn't, right? You don't know, really know who's playing tight end up for that team. You need a third option. Um, A.J. Brown is fantastic and super underrated. Derrick Henry, probably the best running back in the league. But – at the same time, is is he better than the Kansas State Chiefs? No. Are they better uh, than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? No. Are they better than Baltimore? I. Eh, it's going to be tough, right? So there's some teams that are really like, okay, maybe not. Um, but I think it's just a bit of a gross exaggeration of where this wide receiving core is. Um, when you look at this Lions offense, and, and maybe we'll break down defense another time, You know, because the defense I think is a definitely a bit of more of a mystery. But just looking at this objectively right now, Starting at the the head, right? quarterback, Jared Goff. I am not a big Jared Goff guy. I've been very steadfast in saying that. Mike is a bit higher on Goff than I am. I know my dad is a bit higher on him. Ryan, he was on here for our draft coverage. Um, But I think he's a middle-of-the-road quarterback at best, between 13 13 and 16, 17. That's probably where Jared Goff is, right? And that's okay. Um, I'm kind of, you know, if he does if he does anything higher than that, I'll be thrilled and maybe the Lions have found their guy. They're clearly not trying to build around the quarterback. They're trying, trying to build a competent team, which I am all for. Um, so clearly Jared Goff is not the worst quarterback in the league. That's number one. Number two, like I said before, the running back room. May, minus Todd Gurley even, DeAndre Swift, up-and-coming guy that you are extremely excited about that showed flashes of being the guy last year. Um, both receiving and running the football. Jamal Williams, solid number two option. Jamar Jefferson is going to be your theoretic type guy if he makes the team. Um, So there's some some excitement there, right? Um, The tight end group, clearly, TJ Hawkinson, top five tight end. I don't want to hear it. He is. He's a top five tight end in this league. He's a pro bowler now, which I don't like saying because pro bowls are all based on votes. But at the same time, you're not naming very many tight ends that are better than TJ Hawkinson. It's just not happening. Um, and Darren Fels, I think, is a solid number two option who has played here before. And you've seen his benefits, right? And you've seen some of the things that he can do. Um, and the, I guess the star of the show before we get to the wide receiving group is the offensive line, Right. I mean, you you look at this, right? Taylor Decker is a top 12, um, and that's being very modest, in my opinion, of what Taylor Decker has been able to do here, and it's been very under the radar because I think this team has been so bad. But Taylor Decker's played really good. Taylor Decker is a solid left tackle for you, and he's probably going to move to right at some point um, as well, maybe, after the, you know, as the closer to his contract ends. But Taylor Decker, solid, above-average left tackle. Uh, Jonah Jackson, um, solid, above-average guard going into his second year was the most consistent interior offensive lineman they had last year. Um, And you're only going to build off of that. Frank Ragnall is the best center in football. I'm not arguing it anymore. I'm not going to say, well, he's top two or three. I think he is the best center in football. Um, You know, Vitae is probably the biggest question mark, but at guard and not at tackle, I think he can be really successful. Um, And then... uh, You know, even if he doesn't work out, he's gone after this year anyway, and you think you have some options there, right? You got Stenberg there. You can bring in a guy. Um, And obviously, Panay Sewell at the right tackle spot. Um, This offensive line, and this is not, I don't think, a gross exaggeration. I don't think this is me being a homer for this team. Um, This offensive line has potential to be a top-five offensive line. And I think on paper, you could argue is already above in the top half of this league. Um, The whole left side is set, Decker, Jackson, and then Ragnow if you want to throw him in there. That is a pristine side. And Vitae consistently playing right guard, and then you have Sewell, who's the best offensive line prospect in the last five years, coming to this football team. Tell me, tell me another offensive line that that is that that is that ready to go right now, and I'll be waiting for it. Right? There's a couple teams that come to mind. Right? Dallas has still got pieces, but they're older and they're getting hurt a lot. I think I think um, Kansas City's done a great job of rebuilding that offensive line. I think Tampa, you know, Marpet's there. Right? You've got some pieces um, in Tampa that's really good, but you know. This offensive line is legit, ladies and gentlemen. They're going to run the football, and I think they're going to be very successful at it. I think it's something that everyone's been clamoring for for such a long time, and I think they finally built a solid – this is what we wanted when they signed TJ Lang and Rick Wagner in free agency a few years ago, and we never really got to see it because TJ Lang was useless and hurt all the time, and Wagner was awful. Um, you know, you looked at it and you say, okay, this, is, this has potential, you know, on paper especially, to be a very dominant offensive line. And I know they're not going to get the love that they should because they're here in Detroit, but this offensive line is legit, ladies and gentlemen. And I think that it's going to be very, very eye-opening to see this team be able to manhandle some defensive lines, which is what they need to do in the division where they're playing against Chicago and Minnesota and Green Bay's front, front four and front seven. Um, and then we go to the wide receiver group. Now, obviously this wide receiver group is not sexy at all, right? Paraman, fast, unproven Tyrell Williams, kind of a similar situation. Amon Ross, St. Brown, going to be the rookie, probably going to start Khalif Raymond. There's a lot of speed on this team, right? Um, but we don't know, but to, to, Put a blanket statement that this offense is going to be the worst in the league just based off the fact that the wide receiver group is not as sexy on paper as some would like it to be. I think, once again, I think it's a bit of a gross exaggeration. I think you've got a lot of spots right now where you could say they are not worse than this team. So out of four out of five spots, they're not the worst. How can they be the worst team? Um. You know, I look at a team like the Houston Texans. There is nothing about the Houston Texans offense right now that is exciting to me. They've got fifteen running backs, no quarterbacks, can't name an offensive lineman on that team, and Brandon Cooks is rotting away there. Right? Um, That is a team where I go, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what they are. Right? I don't know what what you can be. I mean, the Jets. Yeah, on paper, they've got some pieces on the offensive line. They just drafted a guard in the first round. They've got Mekhi Becton, but running back is is okay, question mark. Wide receivers, Corey Davis, is that really moving the needle for you a lot? I don't personally think so. And Zach Wilson's a rookie, so you know there's going to be some struggles. So, you know, there's some teams out there already you can look at and you go, are they better than the Lions offensively? And the answer is no. It's just not the reality. Once again, I think it's a gross exaggeration. Over the water, this wide receiving core is, and I think they're ready to shock some people, a lot of guys playing with a lot of chips on their shoulder, this team is going to be fast. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of all or nothing where guys are either going to be wide ass open, or they're going to be jammed at the line. But if nothing else, it's different. And they're trying something different. And they, and they know that the wide receiver room is going to be not as talented. So I think they're doing a lot of things well to insulate. Um, insulate that, give Goff more time, allow them to to create separation, allow them to get open, and also create running lanes to make that a balanced attack, to allow them um to have play action pass where Goff thrives so much and, and to really see where Swift is and to see, you know, what they can make with this stud. Because I think at the end of the day, DeAndre Swift is what makes the world go round for the Detroit offense. He's there, he's playing well, and he's healthy. I think we're gonna be I think we're gonna be a lot better off than people think. So not gonna be good, but I think we are gonna be a lot better off than what they think. Um, last topic of the day, though, here. I know you guys are tired of hearing me ramble, so let's get to it. Um, the WWE, and I think this is some pretty big news, honestly. Um, we're obviously, you guys saw Double or Nothing last night, where me and Michael obviously review that show, um, next week. But, there was some big news i think that came out of out of this week right and that is wwe is in talks with new japan pro wrestling and we've talked about both a ton here on the show um about you know wwe becoming their exclusive partner for new japan and that would include wwe sending over nxt guys that want to go over to japan uh for some shots uh guys like daniel bryan who has expressed interest in going over to japan to go wrestle over there um, nothing as of right now is signaling that anybody from New Japan would be making it over to the WWE. I'm sure that would change. Um, Jay White, especially is a guy that I think could come over to WWE and be an instant megastar here in the States based off of the way he performs. Um, but I mean, if this is where you're look, I mean, this is exciting, you know. WWE and New Japan haven't re- haven't worked together since like I think the '70s, if we're being honest, right? Maybe the I mean a little bit in the '90s when Hogan went over, um, in in you know in the mid '90s with the world title and basically said that the the world championship was a trinket and the IWGP title is the only thing that mattered. I thought that was kind of interesting, but, um, you know, and New Japan obviously with their current working relationship with AEW, Ring of Honor, um. You know, CMLL and, and those kind of places where you're just like, man, New Japan's got a lot of fingers and a lot of pies right now. So if WWE comes in and they kind of kick out AEW in all, in all, in all, you know, respects, I think that'd be a huge shot over the bow by WWE. And I think they're smart to do it. Um, I think it's something that some fans have been clamoring for for a long time is for WWE to kind of, you know, branch out a little bit and start working with some of these companies. And they did a little bit. They've done it with Progress. They've done it with ICW. You see their stuff now on the network, which is super cool. Um, WXW in Germany as well. But to, to see New Japan, who is clearly the number one brand over in Japan, but also is probably the number three in the States. I mean, whether you want to argue WWE, and AEW, whichever's number one, WWE is number one. Um, but AEW obviously is number two. And I think New Japan, even though they don't really travel the States much, is probably the number three promotion in the world. Um... And in-ring-wise, I'm pretty sure they're probably number one for looking at straight in-ring action there. So when you look at those kind of things, the the possibilities, right, the excitement that goes along with this, I think, could be extremely interesting to see Daniel Bryan go over to Japan, to see some of these guys in NXT that maybe don't get the exposure on NXT TV that can maybe go over there or do have exposure and they just want to take a tour, right? Imagine carrying Cross and New Japan, right? That would be awesome. That would be huge. Imagine Prince Devitt. Going back, right? Or I'm sorry, um Finn Balor, whatever the hell you want to call him, going back over there to Japan. That would be huge, 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 huge for everybody involved, right? Jericho going over there is that is that taste of that, right? But now it's just it it would be to another level where it would be a consistent partnership. And to butt AEW out, I think would hurt AEW quite a bit. You know, Moxley being the United States champion for New Japan right now, I think that would obviously have to change very quickly. Um You know, you don't see those matchups that you maybe would see um, on Dynamite, right? You don't get the Yuji Nagatas and the Kojimas and, the, you know, some of these guys that honestly nobody really wants to see. But it's cool to see him in the States again um, come out here. You wouldn't see some of those dream, quote-unquote, matchups there that people are waiting for. I think still people are waiting for Kenny to somehow win the vacant IWGP title, so... I think it's something interesting. I think it's something we really need to keep an eye on. There's nothing in, you know, in stone. There's no official announcement about it. You know, Tony Khan has, you know, kind of called out Nick Khan from WWE about, you know, what that means and all that good stuff. So I'm all for that. But at the end of the day, right, you know, this is WWE's world. We're all just kind of living in it, quite frankly, right? And so yeah if they can make this deal happen and, and kind of cut the ties with new japan and wwe or in AEW that would be that would be that would be gangbusters for a lot of reasons right i think that would be a real signal that like you know AEW is firmly firmly on wwe's radar if they aren't are already um and i think it'd be huge i really do i think it would be something that people would really, really, really um, be interested in because once again the possibilities, right? And WWE opening up that forbidden door and really allowing stars—they've done it a little bit with Jushin Thunder Liger and those kind of guys, but um, you know, imagine having Rey Mysterio go in for a Best of Super Juniors or something like that. That would be that would be crazy, right? Some of those things that you, you just wouldn't see um, without this kind of deal happening. So I'm hopeful for it. I think it'd be super interesting for sure. Um, and i would i would love to see AEW's response right um i think that that would really be the start of some sort of a war you know we know Vince loves competition it looks like Tony Khan does too so it's it's interesting for sure and it, you know with AEW getting a third hour on TNT or TBS depending on the day um you know there There's a lot to be excited about if you're a wrestling fan, for sure, right? Obviously, next week we're going to be talking double or nothing. We're probably going to do some NBA playoff talk as well. I'm going to get Mike's thoughts on this uh, WWE New Japan potential deal as well. I'm very interested to see what he's got to think about it. But that's going to be it for this week's show, though, guys. I appreciate you sticking along with me. I appreciate you guys hanging around, listening to me babble for 40-plus minutes here. you know mike not being here really puts a little bit of a damper on things cuz i miss my buddy i miss i miss my co-host for sure we miss mike um You know, but in the coming weeks, obviously, we're going to have the full uh, breakdown of the rosters and all that good stuff for your Detroit Lions. We're obviously going to be talking more, especially if Julio Jones and Rodgers and those kind of trades kind of finally go down and get executed. That'll be something we talk about. NBA playoffs are obviously going to be for on the forefront for our mind, um, you know, along with the draft and that kind of stuff. So lots of good stuff coming your way, guys, over the next couple weeks. Um, but be sure to tune in next week for more playoff talk from the NBA, double or nothing among other things though. So that's going to be it for this week's show though. On behalf of the missing whale man and the missing Merc zone for the first time in a long time, I am the mouth of Michigan and uh, happy Memorial day to each and every one of you. And we will see you guys as always next time.